0: Welcome to the Battleground, Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusty, and I'm the deputy director here at Citizen Action, Wisconsin. Welcome to just a, what is going to be the first gorgeous weekend of fall. Welcome to the 50s, folks. Summer's over. Put your shorts back where they belong, hidden away where nobody can see you and your legs for another six to eight months. Or wait, that's just my legs. Folks we're here at the battleground let me introduce our panel we got priscilla bort with us the movement politics director as always priscilla great to have you
1: thanks for uh having me i have no response to your uh <laughs> introduction that was that was a that was a wild one i'm shorts I'm here or no it. shorts <laughs> uh i am team shorts uh but yeah i i it's, it's i can't wear them too much anymore it's getting a little chilly
0: Team shorts in our world is Team Eric Kudo, who wears shorts 365 days of the year. Robert Craig, welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin, our executive director. Good to have you.
2: Good to be here. My condolences, Matt. I would say that <laughs> perhaps it's <laughs> karma that the Brewers are extracting so much from the public working with Robin Voss that they went down. But I I'm 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 disappointed. I thought this team thought it would be finally uh Craig Tober, not just Craig Tember.
0: Yes, I appreciate that lovely intro, Robert. Uh, I did spend the last two nights sitting in the right center field bleachers. um, The first night almost catching the first home run ball. It missed me by two spots. And by the way, I was in the seventh row of the upper deck, in case you're wondering of how well that first home run was hit. Uh, Good backstory on it. Uh, The kid that caught the ball, it happened to be that Arizona Diamondbacks first uh, home run. And so uh, he was retrieved by event services and uh, now is the proud owner of a autographed bat from that Diamondback who hit the Homer. What a, what a treat for him. Probably the only fan who enjoyed the last two days of Brewer baseball folks. We will talk more in the show about the public hearing that's actually happening today. As we record, by the time you listen to this, It shall be over, but that doesn't mean uh, you can't contact your state legislator. This public hearing is uh, the public hearing where it's an opportunity to do that. So we'll talk more about the stadium plan later. Um, But before we get going, we do want to just start with what's been happening at the federal level because it's it's historic i mean it's it's historic dysfunction i think is the best way i'll at least frame it uh, but obviously i am referencing speaker mccarthy is no more uh he is just plain old representative mccarthy again uh because the group that the right wing right this mega crowd very small group led by matt gates essentially uh pushed him out of office uh We talked about this when McCarthy first got the speakership. It was a complete shit show in in, back in January with the multiple votes. It basically was the precursor to this. Uh, We have a dysfunctional House of Representatives and the Republican Party is currently um, at a little bit of war with itself between its mega factions that are 100 percent mega and the mega faction that is just, you know, they're just mega whenever <laughs> whenever they feel like it. Um, Robert, I'm going to give you the first kick at the can at this, Priscilla. Any thoughts you have uh, before we you know, move into more state-level stuff? But this is um, certainly a huge thing, and I wanted you to have a chance to at least have our listeners hear from both of you and your thoughts on this. Robert, first. Uh,
2: yet another constitutional crisis. And we have one because uh, the Speaker of the House is third in line of succession. You can't start a revenue bill without a functioning House of Representatives, and we don't have one. And it's all self-inflicted. There are attempts now to blame the Democrats for not keeping McCarthy in office. When, he, when we have speakers now that are entirely partisan and only are elected by the majority party, but what happens when you have a majority party that insists on that rule, that's why he was removed, and yet also cannot get a consensus to even run the government that is what we're facing here and it's not unlike the constitutional crisis if an impeachment of janet Protase, which does happen that's the constitutional crisis because it would be illegal but they're removing the check the supreme court on that illegality by the action so again uh this is self-created they created the maga wing they created a public that is fueled by hatred Corporate America did it to stay out of regulation and maximize their profits. And people need to understand this is not about some silly MAGA people. This is about a 50-year corporate conspiracy to make sure democracy, the people, can't regulate its activities and can't create a fair, equitable society and economy. And now they're standing in the background behind the curtain, you know, holding the coat but pretending they're not involved.
0: Priscilla.
1: Yeah, um, I feel like I lived through the speaker thing when I saw Hamilton uh, like a couple of years ago. So appropriate. Yeah, back when that like came out and was big. Like, I feel like there was a house speaker battle and I'm like, wait, I know this, but I'm also (laughs) like so tired of this like we're living in unprecedented times and this has never happened before like we have to stop like no more of this unprecedented things like it's just exhausting and it's so like I remember the confusion of when he got The actual like speaker position and how many times like cnn or huffington post would send out a little news update that's like oh he failed for the 12th 13th 14th time um as if they had nothing better to do than just like hit enter on their their keyboard but like it's it's so strange these factions are so wild and it's just that the republicans will still always say that the democratic party is the one that is divided yet they can't even decide on their own speaker uh they're still blaming the democrats for not saving the speaker which confuses me i've tried to figure that one out i don't understand it uh so yeah it's just you know they're i just really think they're bored and they just want to make stuff up to, up to do and they're like why not try to go this route
0: so priscilla first of all thank you both i appreciate both of those awesome responses uh to this and i'm now or going to be thinking of hamilton every time i hear one of them speak um Look, both of these are very appropriate. One, Robert, I love. Look, the reason I said it's like the mega wing versus the other part of the mega wing, this when we say about a house divided, they are unified, as Robert said on this. This is a corporate backed attempt that's been going on for well over a decade, well since the Tea Party, and they've lost control of part of it. Right. And, And so that's what they're dealing with. This isn't like the old Republicans versus a small group of MAGA folks. This is all MAGA folks, right? Just dealing with some of their own, uh, shall we say, inherent uh, contradictions and what they're uh, endeavoring to do at the moment. But the reality is this has significant implications in terms of sort of the dynamic we're at. So we're gonna continue to talk about it though, but Robert, I wanna give both of you at least one final comment on this. And in particular, any thoughts as it might relate to like our own Wisconsin experiment, Robert? You brought up the uh impeachment, uh, but just I, yeah, I,
2: I would say this. Thanks, Matt. I would say this as as to Priscilla's question as to how they can blame the Democrats. There wasn't. I was involved in a major commission in the '90s in Washington politics. There's an adage in Newt Gingrich's Washington: say anything. So that's my response. It's, this is the say anything uh, media strategy. And then, uh, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez over the, on the, one of the Sunday morning shows said that there is no division over fealty to, to Donald Trump in the House Republican caucus. It's a continuum of how, what they're willing to do to maintain that fealty and how loud they're going to be. And that's what the division is over, but they all will not cross him. And that's why they, you know, they, they can't, they can't govern. And so that's the situation we're in. And we're not going to be able to govern effectively or have a democracy if we don't have an independent Supreme Court. You know, we haven't had one because the the Chamber of Commerce here took it over and we had right-wing judges that weren't judges. Now that the people have finally restored constitutional rule, we'll have a potentially unconstitutional action by the part of the state assembly, which can only be checked by a Supreme Court that they are decapitating by creating a 3-3 tie. And so constitutional crisis conundrum the only way to out of all of this is to defeat these folks and to be bold enough, everyone, to, pr- to prevent the conspiracy from advancing. There's a real problem on the Democratic side with some Democrats who think the way to uphold norms is to let them get away with it. Guess what? That's the slippery slope towards no more democracy.
1: Yeah, um, I think to bring it a little more even to Wisconsin, we're, we're seeing this like unquote untrustworthy public opinion but one of them is like no the voters decided this person was trustworthy but we as elected are gonna decide that this person is not untrust or is not trustworthy but like we as voters didn't elect The Speaker of the House, we didn't have like the only thing voters had to do with that was getting McCarthy elected, but they didn't elect him Speaker of the House. So it's like these are are two things where we're seeing how somebody can be untrustworthy and the ways of going about ousting them when one of them is like, for lack of a better word, the right way uh, to challenge somebody's House Speaker. But the other side is like, no, we can't just impeach and elected because we don't like that they got elected uh so it's it's very interesting that both of these are playing out at the same at the same time yeah a very big like what does trustworthy mean in, in politics type <laughs> conversation right now which is a big conversation that we could talk about for years
0: <laughs> well look um it is noteworthy when this all started Um, we talked about, especially after the last election, how this Congress was not going to accomplish anything. There weren't going to be legislation. There wasn't going to be, you know, some series of more achievements, quite frankly, from either side. And so what we had in terms of the inflation reduction act, you know the first major effort in our lifetime to really seriously take on climate change, you know whether it be the um significant resources during the covid crisis, the infrastructure money right all of that that nothing was gonna happen and that this next election was gonna be about that agenda were we gonna get back to that? were we gonna invest in that or were we gonna continue or go back go down the road of mega world right and so robert you're right to put this into the perspective of 2024 that's what this is all about this ain't getting better right like nothing's getting done nothing has gotten done right the debt ceiling please i this whole fight is over that that no longer seems to deal seems to be holding so i think the best thing to do is just There's going to be a whole lot of smoke going on on, you know, both the federal and state level, federal in particular, clearly right on this. And we just need to stay focused on the priority about who are we electing next cycle? How do we start to get the issues out? And as Robert said, be full throated and what the right vision is, because it's a majoritarian position. We just need to get out there and go win some elections. Uh, It's absolutely critical. Robert, you get the last 20 seconds.
2: For those fans of bipartisanship, there is no bipartisanship now except within the Democratic Party between the two, the progressive moderate wing, not enough of that in Wisconsin right now, actually. But the problem solvers group, which is supposed to be the moderate Republicans and the moderate Democrats, that's supposed to be real and bipartisanly solve problems, the Republican problem solvers are talking about disbanding the whole thing because the Democratic problem solvers didn't save Kevin McCarthy. That's all you need to know about the terms of bipartisanship and whether it's real or whether it's a myth.
0: With that folks, you're listening to the battleground, Wisconsin, with citizen action. You can find us at citizenaction.wi.org. Welcome back to the battleground, Wisconsin. We're citizen action. We are going to move to state issues because there's so much happening at the state and local level right now. Um, Right, the legislature's back in session. We have been talking about their good deeds. Um, today, as we're recording at about 11 o'clock, there's going to be a really important state public hearing. And I say important because it's probably going to be the only real public opportunity for our input on the ridiculous assembly stadium plan, which we've talked in detail. Not going to go into it right now, other than to say, um, we will be out there today uh, and if you were not able to go, which is gonna be most of you, right? It is really important um that you reach out you you call your state legislators, right that we're gonna put the the one eight hundred number right toll free number and call both your state senator and your state rep. You should let them know your opposition. This stadium financing plan again we are calling at citizen action for some public equity if we're going to invest a major chunk of our resources at a time when the state is under as always severe financial stress and stress and considerations look at public education we ought to get a be held held harmless and quite frankly actually get a piece of what is an incredibly profitable team and incredibly profitable sport so uh again, make sure you get out i I do want to give each of you an opportunity any thoughts you have about uh especially now I, I we joked about it the brewers the season has ended, and now it is all just. Uh, this political season around the stadium priscilla any thoughts you have i know you are planning on attending today so
1: i am planning on attending um i think something that we talked about uh maybe when david Zyron was on was the fact that it's only been like 20 years uh since this was built i i so as a millennial uh i remember county stadium but i remember the most about county stadium is when county stadium got torn down and so i'm like wait i remember when miller park formerly miller park was was built like why are we redoing this now uh, and then to put it in even more context, hearing the teachers of all these states be like, why? Like, look at these buildings. They're falling apart. Look at everything that's falling apart. Look at our roads. Like, why? They don't need a new stadium. So that's that's my thoughts. That's all I've been thinking about is that this stadium is not even as old as me. And, like, it doesn't need uh, an upgrade. That's it. Well, and
0: <laughs> it's legitimate to question the scope And scale of the request. Right. It's literally more than doubled uh, since Governor Evers initially uh, dropped the bomb by floating it in a state budget like a Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin. Robert, your thoughts?
2: Actually, that was a doubling of a doubling that is to say the only publicly accountable transparent study by the stadium district said they need a third of this and a third and half of that was to create a reserve for the stadium district for future, not even needed to be spent now. And now we have consulting firms that service major league owners who are a cartel of a hundred millionaires and billionaires shaking down cities across the country and having an ridiculous antitrust exemption. Uh, they're just making it up, and in fact, even Governor Evers, let's be clear, Bruce Murphy, and her Milwaukee's reported this, hired a company that uh, that uh, to get his numbers uh, that says across the top of the website that they are approved and uh, approved and liked by owners. Okay, that sounds like we should get one that says that about Foxconn. This is less accountable with less public benefit than Foxconn and the ethics. Of Major League Baseball and Mark Antonasio on this are no different than Foxconn. And we all know how that turned out. And the people behind it are similar, including Tim Sheehy, the powerful, influential head of the Milwaukee Metropolitan Association of Commerce. And I've never heard Tim explain why Foxconn wasn't the deal of the century, uh, since he and all of his other business friends were there shilling for it the night only a few of us, like me and Stephanie Bloomingdale, the president of AFL CIO, were there opposing. And we're okay. of course spoke at the very end, so just folks, this is really bad stuff. It doesn't mean that people don't love the brewers. It means that we are in a position to get a much better deal, but our legislators claim they're they but they want to run government like a business, claim they're fiscally prudent. You can see it's all a lie just with what they're proposing here,
0: yeah, look, let's simply put this is a terrible deal. We need a way better deal it is it is up to our leaders to represent us, right? Their job is to represent the public interest here. This package as currently constructed fails miserably in that. And it is vital that they go represent the public interest here. This is an amazing baseball state. The, the amount of support and love for this team that I saw over the last two days, in spite of, you know, what was just horrendous performance that that's baseball. It happens. Let's just be honest about that is amazing. And it's why the team does well. Financially draws great attendance. This is not a team that's about to leave town and let's address that about to leave town this weekend or this week, the owner came in town and I, I I'll say it for what it is. He gaslit all of us just coming in. Ah! I have not said I want to leave town. Please come on. That's what this whole discussion has been about. And you know, the leader, the mob boss doesn't go direct everything, right? Come on. You are responsible for what your folks are doing. Sorry if you don't like the analogy, but like Rick Slessinger has been very clear about what this is about. They've been very transparent. They sent that MLB commissioner in here to kick all this crap off by. Him, He was incredibly blunt about this and, in fact, saying the stadium had to be in the upper 25%. So please stop telling us you're not trying to leave. If you have rightly ascertained that this first six months of this effort has been a total failure and you really are serious that you're not going to leave and that's not a serious threat, I think that's a great decision. And I hope that's where we're going to go after this bill hopefully fails and we can have an honest conversation that this team is going to make a ton of money and it is up to the public leaders to protect the public interest. That is their one primary job. So the team's not going anywhere. Let's go get a good deal, folks.
2: B does have a conspiracy to make every city, that, doesn't, that they want to get more money out of, think they could leave by holding back on the expansion they've approved of two more cities until they have done all their shakedown. So certainly MLB is sending that message to Chicago White Sox fans. Uh, they've already obviously said to the Oakland A's, though there's great resistance from the Nevada Teachers Union on that, they could overturn their sleazy $1.5 billion new stadium deal for Las Vegas paid for by the state. And that, so they're they have a list of, you know, ten cities or so they want to further shake down. Baltimore is on that list, for example. Uh, so this is this is all part of a conspiracy of an illegal monopoly cartel of hundred million millionaires and billionaires, and brewers are following the script. So they say this, the White Sox did the same thing. Oh, we might leave. Oh, we'd never leave. And it's like, okay, which one is it? Given you are saying that you want to secure your long-term future and such a uh, little weasel words like that.
1: I, I think it's one of those things where there are so many layers to this. It's not just about like, Oh, well, I don't like baseball. Like this isn't about like, yes, it's about a baseball team, but like, It's about where this money could go, what money has been being poured into it that people don't necessarily realize and how much uh, Antanasio and everybody are asking about. So this is about far more than just baseball. So if you're like, ah, I'm not into baseball, like still pay attention to this, still do what you can, call your legislators, Uh, just let the quick 10 second call, hey, this is what I want to happen. Let's, let's make this public equity. There you go. It's all you got to say. So please, please, please call, email, get involved.
0: Thank you, Priscilla, on that. I, it's a hundred percent right. This is not about baseball. This is about the public interest. And again, 130 peer reviewed research. Don't believe anybody who tells you that by giving 600 million that somehow we are going to get a return on our investment we will not okay so like it's just a question of what's the deal going to look like and will the public interest be protected or will the interests of a billionaire be the priority folks you're listening to the battleground wisconsin we are citizen action you can find us at citizenactionwi.org we're also as probably a lot of you know um very active on both facebook twitter and instagram so please check us out in both of those spaces where you can regularly track what we're up to
1: matt are we coming to tiktok anytime soon
0: oh uh, well priscilla i was hoping you might be able to help us with that we should definitely talk about that let's Let's, do it yes we may be getting on the tiktok bandwagon that's a wonderful way to uh to, to preview that i look forward to that conversation folks you are listening to the battleground wisconsin we are citizen action Welcome back to the battleground, Wisconsin. We have got to talk about democracy in Wisconsin, uh, non-brewers related, because a lot of stuff continuing to go on. Robert has already referenced the um, impeachment of Janet Protoseowitz, which you know is still very on, uh, on the back burner. Definitely trying to uh, plotting and figuring out how they can effectively do that but i i want to talk about what's been going on at the WEC again this is again the wisconsin election commission uh and particularly both the commissioner megan wolf right and there's now an effort to impeach megan wolf from the uh, let's call it the matt gates wing of the wisconsin <laughs> uh republican mega party uh and you know All the lies that go behind that. But also this week, in addition, now an effort to not appoint or uh, vote to reappoint one of the Democratic commissioners. So it's just Priscilla, it, it it just never ends in in many ways with this election commission again, which was a construction of the Republican Party um. This is so important because we have what we just talked about, this fundamental election coming up next year. And here we are still in complete chaos with our election commission. Yeah,
1: I mean, I feel like we almost barely made it through that 2020 election with how much kept changing you know Oh, we have these boxes oh nope never mind you can't use the boxes oh you can use the boxes oh you can only drop your ballot off like just I feel like we're still like it's been four years almost four years it's been three years but it feels like we're still stuck there and we have to stop being stuck there we're in a new cycle now like where we are electing a president again in like 13 months from like today uh which is nerve-wracking to say out loud if you couldn't tell in the voice that I just used uh but like we have to get beyond this like oh I don't like this person time to get rid of them like she has not done anything wrong like she has been a great person and has like stuck to her damn side but like has really gone out of her way to show how much she is listening to everybody and trying to do what's best for everyone, how to make voting as accessible as possible, which again, I'm always blown away that the Republicans don't want people to vote yet. That's how they get elected. Um, like she's, she's so great. There's just, it's it, yeah. I'm, what, I'm at a loss
0: for words. <laughs> it, it, what? Cause Priscilla what's, what's so mind blowing and makes this case of Megan Wolf so important is she is to a T, a civil servant. She does zero freelancing. All she has ever done is implement what the election commission and the commissioners have asked. They're the ones who do the policy, right? And if anything, she's an amazing public communicator and has done a really good job with the media and the press about being clear first about that, but second about what those policies are and why she's doing what she's doing amazing media conferences. And this is what they really don't like, right? Like that she's actually following the law, right. As opposed to doing the political bidding of one party or another, which is why they set this structure up in the first place. They, they, they did it for political reasons. And now that it's, again, not working out for them, they're on the attack of not only the structure, but also Megan. Robert?
2: Uh, this is important to pay attention to because uh, some may think that the way Democrats in general, not only the left, are saying that there isn't a threat of authoritarianism is just a, you know, using a scary name. You have to look at the playbook. Authoritarians go after independent courts, checkbox. They go after the election apparatus to make sure that they there's not can't be fair elections and only they can win. Jerry no. is part of that. This election commission is. There were Republicans, conservative Republicans on this election commission that was set up to fail, set up to be a 3-3. It, it replaced the government committee board that was much better because it dared to investigate Legality by Scott Walker, which was illegality at the time, until their the PAC Supreme Court changed the law to keep him out of jail. That is what happened, folks. I'll debate anyone on that from any side, including the Wisconsin Suit for Law and Liberty and all of their lawyers. So he, so they're going after this. The Republicans that were reasonable but conservative on the commission, they've been purged. But one of the guys who was a fake elector who should be prosecuted, is still there.
0: Mr. Swindell. Which is amazing. And, it's amazing yeah. that they and would as, go after Megan Wolf and this clown. is still
2: there. And as I said, we have to do enough. We get pointing out it's authoritarian, pointing out it's undemocratic. They, This is a party committed to minority rule. Um, doesn't do anything other than, I mean, it does something in that it could unify us, but we need to unify for action. So we need to start thinking about what is the necessary action to prevent this. So we have them, for example, sitting on commissions over four years since Scott Walker was voted out of office, appointees of Scott Walker, because the right-wing legislature gerrymandered has refused to confirm just in mass, not individuals based on, on individual problems, but just in mass, the Evers appointees. So I think there needs to be a serious discussion. of If there is, we're trying to do everything to block it. Everyone who, who's in um, organizing it and, and politics is. But if they impeach Janet Protasewicz, it's an illegal impeachment. That's clear in the law. Then should she simply refuse to abide by the illegal order? and preside over the case that will overturn it. I think that's a serious question it needs to be considered, because otherwise they win. That's, the, that's what we learned in the 20s. You can show how immoral and ethical and how undemocratic what they're doing is and how authoritarian it is. They need to be stopped or they win, and they hold the, the levers of power. That is what is going on right now.
0: So, in relation to that, we're going to transition to another topic that's going on here. And and that is this situation that broke, I think it was a day or two ago, about pro-life Wisconsin trying to arrest abortion-providing doctors. Just going to let you soak that in, right? Because remember when all this started, there was a lot of talk about what they would and wouldn't be willing to do. (laughs) And a lot of people would say things like, oh, they would never really go arrest doctors and stuff, would they? Well, the news, and it's sort of buried in the headlines because they're now filing a lawsuit. You know, they're trying to go after licensors of, of the doctors, but sort of buried in that is they're doing that because they went after multiple police departments and law enforcement agencies and tried to have them go arrest these doctors priscilla this is in case in our conversations of the last things you don't really believe about what's at stake and just how dangerous this mega and this whole apparatus is this lays it out
1: yeah this is this is huge we're gonna get to a point where people are gonna to be too scared to do any job that seems to just, even in a tiny little bit of a way, go against Republicans. We're gonna to get to a point where teachers are gonna be afraid to teach history because, oh, because Republicans don't want us to. Or are they gonna come and try and arrest us over here? We're doctors trying to be doctors, trying to do what they went to school for so many years. For um again it's people being angry that they didn't get their way and that they couldn't keep a full ban on the books i mean they kept it on for a year we don't have everything back yet anyways so they still won they're still winning but this just takes it to a whole a whole nother level of just grossness and just them trying to police anybody's bodies that are not their own
2: So this is all expectable. We've seen it with the states that are further along in the hands-maiden-tail conspiracy, places like Texas and Alabama, including going after women, right? Going after anyone who aids them. This is in the Texas law to go to another state. And so here we are. Uh, It's interesting. If you look at the quotations of the pro-life Wisconsin people, they say, we just felt we had no other course of action other than to go after the doctors that are actually doing it, like go after the doctors. They're publicly flouting the law. They're breaking the law. And so if nobody else will enforce the law, maybe maybe the medical examiner's board will. Well, guess what? You could file a lawsuit. There are judges. This is happening because a judge ruled this concerning the law. Okay, so do you believe in independent judiciary. And so, what's next? Are we going to get a vigilante law like Texas uh, from the from this legislature if they can keep the current maps um, and they can get an override majority? Watch for it,
0: folks. We're going to keep watching it and we'll keep talking about it. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. We got to take a little break. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Robert, I'm coming straight at you because there's a big uh, public hearing in Milwaukee next week around solutions to the energy burden crisis that is gripping a lot of folks in in this state, but in particular in Milwaukee, where we have old housing stock, racially segregated redlining that is essentially the blueprint of the city and locks a lot of folks into, you know, really um, poorly uh, and lack of energy efficient housing, some of the highest kinds of rates, which causes folks to pay an enormous amount of the percentage of their income for energy. Robert, tell our listeners what's going on in Milwaukee, why it's so important that if they are available, that they come out and testify.
2: Uh, it's actually going to be, if, if we can get it a baby step, but an important one, a breakthrough, kind of like getting to negotiate over 10 prescription drugs. It's not all that needs to be done, but it's a start. So we energy is an exceedingly profitable company. That's why they're standing in the way of and profiting off of moving, slow walking the climate crisis to the point risking this generation and future generations because climate change is happening now. They are incredibly profitable. They they had revenue of ninety over ninety one million dollars last year, and they pay their CEO Scott Lauber eight point one million. They could pay their top six executives a total of three point thirty one point two million. So one of the implications of holding on to fossil fuel longer than we need to, not allowing the full rapid expanse of renewable energy and energy conservation measures that reduce our need for energy in the first place, which is also a critical part of the solution to the climate crisis, Uh, they're profiting from that. But one of the the uh, the, uh, consequences of that is the people with the lowest incomes have the highest energy costs because they live in the older, less energy efficient housing and don't have access to renewable energy like rooftop solar, community solar. And so the result is racist, structurally racist. Um, and that is, Black people in Milwaukee pay six to 20% of their incomes just for utilities. And that's so much that you can't meet other basic needs, folks. Uh, whites pay on average one to 2%. There are some poor whites that pay more, and there are some wealthier, a few number of wealthier Blacks that pay less. I'm talking about the bulk of people. And it's because we energies won't. Uh, won't give them the financing other states like in in Illinois and Minnesota require that would allow them to massively increase the energy efficiency of their houses or access to solar energy uh, by, either by rooftop or by community solar, et cetera. And so what happened in their latest huge rate increase, and they want another next year, is the Public Service Commission, which is all Evers appointees, but they're kind of corporate-y, so it's not exactly like a progressive commission, uh, they said in the last rate increase that they have to negotiate with community groups to have a a pilot program, not a whole program for a percent of income payment system. And so, other states, Ohio's had a cap of four uh, percent since the early '80s on what you can pay in utility rates. Nevada has a three percent. We might get a pilot. The question is how big or how good it would be. And that's what this hearing and this process is about. We're working closely with the lead plaintiffs, Walnut Way, a a community group from the Lindsay Heights neighborhood in Milwaukee and Sierra Club.
0: Priscilla.
1: Yeah. uh, We Energies, where do we begin? Uh, I don't know if in my lifetime or anyone's lifetime, We Energies has had a good proposal for like, anything that they have done so definitely want to encourage everybody who is listening who can get to these hearings of make your voice known yes we energy know we energies knows what they're doing but they also need to keep hearing it from people that are struggling to afford to pay their bills who are worried that oh it's not quite the winter time yet so technically my my energy could still get shut off um we all remember last winter uh when it dropped so deep uh below freezing and then you know we ran out of whatever i don't know how energy works uh but we ran out and people were cold and we still had to pay we energies so make your voice heard they don't need these massive profits another thing that should be a public equity that can be the 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 theme of today is all these things that need to be public equity because the public puts so much into these organizations and corporations
0: look people this is um this is really important stuff i hope you can all get out support it we also have a link to um, a letter you can sign in support of this. We'll have that with the podcast. It's uh, it's very important. Please, please take the time to do it. Um, before we go, though, before we go, we want to talk a little bit about what happened uh, this week in California um, following the passing of Senator Feinstein, right, which was a pretty historic moment. I'll just say personally, I, I went to school in Los Angeles and graduated in 1992, which was the year that um, both Barbara Boxer and Feinstein were elected. And um that was a state that was functionally run by Republicans when I was out there in the late 80s. And it is a radically different state at that time. I recall Barbara Boxer was kind of considered a bit radical for the state. And it was a big deal for her when everyone knew Feinstein was very much a moderate coming out of as a mayor. Um and when they both retired, they are now like both moderates, conservatives, right? That state has seen a massive evolution of its politics that has, I'll say, possibly saved this country. Um if that had stayed a Republican state, God knows where this country would be right now. Just that's a really fundamentally important transition. But Priscilla coming out of the back end of that, right? Governor Newsom got the opportunity to appoint a replacement, right? And there was a lot of news, like would he appoint one of the current candidates? And he announced uh, instead of as I'll just use the governor's own words, putting his finger on the scale in this race, pick somebody else who I think probably nobody here knows unless you're super well connected. I'll just say. Um, So, Priscilla, give us, tell us more about who this person is and then just any thoughts you have and why you wanted to chat about this, because it's important,
1: yeah. Uh so we now have Senator, she's officially been sworn in, Senator LaFonza Butler of California. Um, she made a lot of firsts and thirds in this appointment. She is the first black lesbian US senator in history. She is only the third black woman to be a US senator, including Carol Mosley Braun of Illinois and our current vice president, Kamala Harris. Uh, That's
0: amazing too, by the way, when you just marinate in that, thank you for yes, stating
1: that. It's so amazing. And it's it's hard to hold them both in the balance of like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And oh my gosh, we're only on the third black woman senator in the history of the United States of America. And it is 2023, like, i i just i i don't even have words i get so tongue-tied thinking about it being like this is ridiculous and when people say oh it's it oh she's just got it like we can't be uh excited because of of these things like we don't want somebody to just get appointed because of race like look at who she is she's done a lot of great work she's done a lot of great work over at emily's list she got her you know she's been a union home care leader Like, she's done a lot of great things. Now, in my own personal opinion, I would have loved if Newsom would have appointed Barbara (laughs) Lee uh, because a lot of people, a lot of the public, and also a lot of current senators and electeds uh, are backing Barbara Lee, and she's been around and has Mm -hmm. talked about uh, Diane's seat for a while, being like, okay, Diane, why don't you, like, stepped down, uh so i won't go into all of my yes. thoughts on on diane or on barbara uh but this is such a big a big day a big week i'm excited to see what she does i'm uh you know we now have had three black women u.s senators so let's see if we can't get number four soon mm. and then five and <laughs> six uh so trying to keep up the positive on it because that number needs that number just needs, needs to keep growing. So I'm really, I'm excited for this appointment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Priscilla, I'm really glad that you made sure we talked about this because I agree. I'm excited about it too. I am excited about this, about her lived experience is really interesting and impressive. However, I always get worried when super hyper political types, like I'm wondering about that. And it makes me, cautious and nervous. Cause I know who Barbara Lee is. And so that's under, understand- I know who Katie Porter is. I know who those folks are. Um, but Hey, it's exciting. And, and back to what I started with, what the state used to be versus the candidates that the good folks of California are going to have to choose from for their Senate race. That's a great, it, it represents the spectrum of the party, the diversity of the party, the different kinds of views, and it and just how different angles there are. So it's exciting. Robert, your thoughts.
2: So yes, it's exciting, though I share both of your uh, you know, disappointment about Barbara Lee, because we knew who Barbara Lee was, and among many things, the only person to vote against the Iraq war <laughs> and but a number of other things at that level. Um, and you know, uh Governor Newsom was playing politics and uh that that's going on here um i think that look who she is that she's a black woman that she is uh not heteronormative that that is all f- f- first lesbian you know a senator a, a black senator obviously the other one is Tammy Baldwin our own Tammy Baldwin but that i i th- i looking at her resume i don't know her personally i've not asked my california friends there's reason to believe she'd be in the progressive wing like her SEIU background home care union Emily's list is a pretty K Street establishment place. So I'd be looking to see if she's really very, very moderate, then it'll be, that'll increase my disappointment over Barbara, not being Barbara Lee. Uh, but doesn't mean it's not in advance in other ways. And, uh, I think it's important to see progress while we see well, how much more needs get done. So I was in California doing politics during that Senate race, Matt, you talked about with Boxer and Feinstein. There was a notion that the Democrats had gone too far and you couldn't have two women on the ballot, two mm-hmm. white women yeah. who were pretty privileged white women. OK, so now we're to the point that we have a Latino man and a and a Latino lesbian and a, and a black lesbian woman as the two U.S. senators in California. That's progress. Do we have enough? No, Priscilla, we should have just by the numbers at least six or seven black women. And I, given the history, you could certainly make an argument we should have a lot more than that to balance you know, the wall upon wall of all white male uh, senators uh, for, for say six for or seven
1: seems like yeah. a real low number there, Robert. <laughs> there's a hundred senators, like maybe 60 or 70 sounds like a better... I'm just saying, <laughs> plat,
2: fine. Plat, I'm just saying I, I think there's an argument for more, but by percentage of population, <laughs> it would be at least six or seven. i I'm not. I'm not capping it. I and on
0: that, that note, folks, done. we have got to wrap up this Battleground Wisconsin and remember, the story of California's instructive. Pete Wilson, Republican Pete Wilson, Governor Duke Majin, these were Republican governors that were just in charge of that state in the late 80s into the early 90s, right? Wisconsin, similar kind of story. It's about our work. It's about our vision. It's about us embracing our multiracial democracy that is going to be required in order to hold a functioning progressive state and we all have a role in that we need to get involved please join citizen action get involved we'll have a link for you to get involved donate to us please and get involved in our co-ops folks please come back next week and we'll talk to you later and make sure if you have not reach out to your state legislator about the Brewer stadium plan We'll see you next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin.